So we need to be motivated by the desire for a better life for our children and future generations of Africans. And they do not have to go racism to prove that they are equal to all the other races in the world. They do not have to go through uh, poverty, telling their labor to survive, you know, decolonizing the minds of our people, decolonizing the minds of our children. I think that's where we need to start as a people. This program is brought to you by Haymarket Books as part of our live event series. Haymarket Books is a radical, independent publisher dedicated to connecting social movements with the ideas they need in the struggle for a better world. You can help support the Haymarket Project by buying books at haymarketbooks.org and especially by joining the Haymarket Book Club. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and the Haymarket YouTube channel to access all of our upcoming events. Welcome everyone to our panel, Africa Uprising, Activism and Resistance on the Continent. This panel is organized through a collaboration between the International Committee and the Afro-Socialist and Socialist of Color Caucus, both of the Democratic Socialists of America, together with Africa is a Country and Haymarket Books. Our discussion today will highlight the rising tides of African activism across the continent by by shedding light on the critical work of activists and organizers leading the struggle within the context of of the global crisis of capitalism, the raging COVID pandemic, vaccine apartheid, crumbling economies overseen by dictators clothed in civilian uniforms, and the refusal of a new generation of young people to accept the deprivations that they grew up with as normal or status quo. Over the past decade, uprisings across the continent from Sudan to Senegal, from Egypt to South Africa, have bred fear followed by violent suppression of an elite ruling class that has colluded with imperialists from Europe, America, and Asia to ensure that the masses of African people remain in deeply entrenched poverty social chaos and upheaval. The crisis facing workers and oppressed people in the world today pointed the urgent need to build international solidarity across borders and across continents. From vaccine apartheid to imperialism and state violence, from illegitimate debt to poverty and austerity, the capitalist system is is in deepening levels of crisis at every turn. The amazing panel that we have brought together today can send some, can lend some level of understanding into the deeply complex politics of African struggle, highlighting both the internal and external challenges to building unity and strengthening working class struggle and independent struggles from below. It is our hope that the activists based outside of Africa who are on the call today can also find a deeper and more nuanced understanding of the challenges of the left in Africa while finding opportunities for ongoing collaboration and solidarity. Without further ado, I would love to introduce you to our speakers. I'll be introducing them individually and they will be telling us a little bit about where they are in the struggle and then we'll be taking some questions and having ongoing discussions. Please, if you have questions, put them in the chat. We'll be collecting them throughout the call. So as soon as you have them, put them in there so that we can arrange them. And if you would like to direct your questions to any of the speakers, please also note that in as you put it in the chat. So our first speaker that I'll bring to the floor is Zalena 
Wanjira Wanjiru. Wanjiru is the co-founder of the Mathari Social Justice Center in Nairobi, Kenya, and a member of Women Justice Center and Social Justice Movements. Wanjira, we welcome, and we'd love to hear from you to speak about your organizing, the organizations that you're involved in, and the issues that you're working on. You're welcome. Thank you very much, Nandre. A revolutionary greetings to you all, my brothers and sisters. And thank you to Africa Prizing for having me. <clears throat> As you have said, I am from the social justice movement in Kenya. I'm from Madari Social Justice Center. So we are organizing around the issues of social injustice, as our name suggests. And then we realize that there are many other issues. There was the issue of lack of water in community. There was the issue of uh, gender-based violence, especially the issue of horizontal violence in uh, communities like this, in communities in informal settlements and rape. So all of these issues, we couldn't advocate for them um, as individual activists. activists. We had to come together and form a social justice center. And I remember we were very um, careful of how we name our struggle because there's power in naming. And then I'm, I'm glad that we influenced um, other people in informal settlements, especially our immediate neighbors to also start their own justice centers because there was a bit of success in how we were dealing with uh, injustice in our community. We received a lot of support from the existing uh, human rights uh, organizations, Katiba Institute, for example, and Amnesty uh, International Justice Mission, providing for us and uh, lawyers because we are a small community-based organization. We are not, not able to afford uh, lawyers. So that was great solidarity then. Today, I'm very happy that we have 18 justice centers in Nairobi in every informal settlement. So it really helps us in terms of advocating for an issue. Last year, we really, really fought against the issue of police killings and extrajudicial executions, police brutality. We had a, we have an annual march around that. We have an annual march as a movement, uh, the Saba Saba March for our lives. This march is usually about all the injustices that we are facing as citizens in Kenya. We come out to say we want the government to say, reduce taxes. We want the government to ensure there's water in our communities. We want the government to ensure that there are no police killings. It's also a historical day in the history of our country where the Basaba was the first uprising in Kenya, popular people's uprising against the dictatorship of former President Moy. So it is a day that Kenyans uh, remember with pride and they are able to come together in the spirit of struggle and liberation. So we capitalize on that day as a movement. So today, uh, another major success is that we are expanding beyond Nairobi. We have centers in Kisumu now and centers in Mombasa, which means we are assuming a national face and we are able to nationalize our struggles and campaign for our liberation at a national level. So that's what we are working on at the moment amid all the challenges that come with donor funding for movements like ours, especially not so progressive donor funding. Sometimes um, 
we might find ourselves so focused on donor projects we forgo our actual liberation struggle. I think this is something that happens in many other movements that are coming up. So for those who are watching, uh, let's be careful not to fall into that trap. We are also organizing as the women front because there's a lot of femicide that's going on in our current in our country. And not just this year, for the past couple of years, we've seen a lot of gender-based violence. It's not going both sides. I think there's a general depression among the people caused by the crazy times we're living in. The pandemic has really affected people's lives. There's a lot of sadness, a lot of depression, a lot of chaos, basically. Uh, we know capitalism is behind this, but things are happening in the community that should not be happening. So we are organizing ourselves as women and calling out um, people killing women, people raping our children, trying to speak together with one voice as women of this nation, trying to campaign for menstrual reproductive products for girls. We want to run a campaign for free menstrual products because it's such a hassle for women, for young girls in informal settlements to even get that part. Uh, our, our children, our girls are forced to do things they shouldn't have to do for the dignity of having menstrual products. So we are pushing on all fronts for dignified lives, for dignity, for freedom, for absolute liberation. The other day, there was so a fight um, imperialism online by asking uh, international monetary fund and uh, the World Bank to stop loaning Kenya because all these loans, my, our government is super corrupt. We don't know where this money goes to. And we feel like uh, we, are, we are becoming more of subjects than citizens in our country. So we are calling out the government on that. I've also seen a lot of people during the struggle or rather become active citizens than they were previously. I think the pandemic has caused more people to awaken to the social injustices around and speak out to the issues that are affecting us as a country. And so we continue to organize at the social justice movement level. Right now we are working with all progressives because we're trying to, to capitalize on what's happening in the country and see if we can actually have a revolutionary moment because Oppression has gotten more. The police have gotten more violent, more oppressive. Just yesterday, there was a, a major documentary that was aired by Citizen News, one of the big media stations in the country. It was about how police are operating criminal operations, hiring guns to people at a small price, uniforms and all that. So. Kenyans are surprised and shocked and don't know who to believe anymore. So there's a lot of bad PR, bad relationship right now, mistrust between the citizens and the police. And uh, activists are seeing how they can organize around that area and to see if we can find a way to liberate ourselves with all this, in the midst of all this chaos. So in a nutshell, that is uh, Wanjera and what we do. Uh, as a movement, it's a luta continua. Uh, back to you, Landre. Thanks so much, uh, Buenjira, for the, that um, 
interesting discussion of the movement and how you've built out very localized movements, but then also built them into other informal set of settlements and spreading across the country, and how you're also explaining that as a precursor to a broader revolutionary movement. So we'll come back to you on some of those thoughts. Um, and please, uh, audience, you can chat out questions for her if you have any. So we'll move on to from Kenya over to the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, we have with us Fred Boma. He is a leader of the pro-democracy youth group Lucia, which advocates for non-violence, community-level change, and government reform in the DRC. He was arrested in March 2015 and spent 18 months in prison, where he faced the death penalty for organizing peaceful protests, calling for the rule of law. So, Fred, can you tell us about your organizing work and your experiences as a pro-democracy freedom fighter in the DRC? Thank you very much, uh, Nandre. Uh, and thank you for organizing this. The first thing I, I, I would like to precise is that I, I, I don't identify myself as a leader of Lucha, but as uh, an activist uh, within Lucha as, as um, other people. One reason for this is that is because since the beginning, we decided that the movement will be, will have an horizontal leadership. Uh, and we value that uh, very much. So Lucha is this movement that was created in 2012 in um, Goma, eastern, eastern part of, of DRC. And at the very beginning, we were um, organizing around issues like like um, Zarendo was talking about water access to water, electricity, basic infrastructure. But very quickly, we realized how these um, issues were connected to the um, the governance, the uh, the at the local level and also at the national level. It's become therefore very important for us to start um, organizing for calling for more transparency, more accountability for uh, national leaders. And by the time um, the country was preparing to the general election and the the president, the then president Joseph Kabila was trying to um, to avoid organizing election or to change the constitution. So we. I engaged ourselves in a huge uh, mobilization for years, which took us years. Um, uh, we, and that, that mobilization was very repressed over time. That's how I got arrested. But um, and the, uh, but the movement grew uh, from from that moment from from Goma, where where it started to more than. 29 cities now in uh, in uh, across the across the country now um and eventually kabila has had to leave uh power because of that pressure but and he also rigged the election in favor of his opponent which is kind of impressive in in, uh, in the region um but what we are working on um currently what kind of campaign we are working on currently the move uh, the movement for the last few weeks, we've been campaigning um, for the end of killings in in Beni, Beni area. For those of you who knows the situation in uh, in Eastern Congo, Beni is a, um, one of one beautiful area in the north uh, in in the eastern 
DRC where killings have been ongoing since 2014. But that, that region is also a region where there is a massive presence of military, Congolese militaries. Uh, we believe there are more than 10, uh, 10 to 20,000 uh, militaries. And there is also a huge presence of the, uh, one of the most important UN missions in the world, the MONUSCO. But despite that prison, um, people have been killed very brutally um, by Machete's children, images of children and, and, and their mothers and their all the family being decimated um, keep coming from that region. It's so horrible to see it uh, in, in this um, time. And there is almost no solidarity uh, about what is happening there. So we have uh, started mobilizing to call for more attention and to call for the UN force to whether um, do its mandate or leave the country and to call for the Congress government to be more responsible to what is, is uh, going on. And of course, the, the uh, those demonstrations have been uh, repressed by by the police. Our, our colleagues have been, most of them arrested, some beaten. And since the first uh, the first wave of demonstration, um, two of our colleagues were, were, were killed. So it's it's a very um, sad sad situation. Um, but at the same time, we feel we see now that people are more and more uh, ready to mobilize in that region. Uh, student organization has joined, um, some uh, professional organization also has joined, and and there is currently a uh, civic disobedience um, uh, going on. We but people boycott uh, taxes in that in the region until we have solutions. So. Um, it's been a, a, a complex situation, but yeah, that that is uh, what we've been working on recently. Maybe come back uh, during the discussion for more questions. Thank you. Thank you, Fred, for sharing um, such uh, terrible and you know very, the violence that has been inflicted upon you know members of the movement and just the long term that is, of course, part of the region and part of the country, just continuing over multiple administrations. So we definitely want to come back to you and find out more about the approaches, you know, to state violence and the ways in which we can build both local movements and statewide approach, uh, state and internationalist approaches to the violence of the state, which comes in the forms of policing, which comes in force of the military, as you said as well. So thank you for sharing those initial thoughts. Um, so moving along um, and just enjoying this conversation, uh, we're going to cross over a bit northward over to Sudan. And Sudan, of course, is the home of one of the most recent African revolutions. The Sudanese revolution of 2018 to 2019 saw massive street protests, which led to a coup d'etat by the Sudanese army in 2019. Here to talk to us a bit about um, Sudan is the is Amar Damal. He is a Sudanese writer, translator, a postgraduate student of anthropology, and part of the inaugural class of Africa is a Country. Amar, welcome. And maybe take some, uh, just a little bit of the question that I was just talking about. Um, 
And if uh, I hope when Jira is still here, what are the approaches that um, uh, we can take to state violence? Um, we both spoke about very violent repression, um, the police and the army. And um, how do we kind of take it? Uh, how does the left or how do, how do social movements on the left take this approach that may be different from maybe an NGO approach to to police brutality? What are the approaches that we can take? Do we call for abolition of the police um, like we're doing over here in the United States? Or what are the approaches that you feel are um, that you are taking and that you feel uh, we, sh we should have support on? Um, I'll go back to you first, Wanjira. Okay, uh, thank you. The police uh, in our country has a very colonial history. And even after we got our flag independence, we continue to have colonial police. We continue to have colonial chiefs. We continue to have colonial authority. We have not had a police for the people and by the people. And looking at global events and police everywhere, have proven to be there to protect the interests of the bourgeoisie. Even if they themselves are suffering, are, in, are living horrible, terrible life situations, especially in my country, I've lived in a community where the other side of the road, uh, it's where, it's where it's, there's a police depot, so I've seen how deplorable their lives uh, were then. They're not much better right now. And uh, given the history we've had with police as as the as a as the world, it's time we we really do away with the police system. It's time we not even defund; we just abolish. Angela Davis has said this: "There's no amount of reforms for sure." From the work that I've been doing on the ground, I have come to the conclusion. There's no amount of reforms are going to give us a proper, a proper force. I think we should go back to how we were governing ourselves as Africans. This is not even our way of life, this policing system. We, we should go back to having a council of uh, leaders in the community who sort out those disputes. You know, we need to have dignified even mode of correcting people, punishing people like animals and things like that. Uh, there was a tradition where when someone did wrong, the community members came and reminded him of all the good that he had done. You know, more of a correctional. Um, you're trying to rehabilitate people with love. You know, the human spirit, we, we want to pay regard to that. And that will never come through the police. And we are really trying to go back to who we are as Africans. And that will begin by removing everything that is not African. Uh, from our land. Police is not for us, will never be for us. So we need to, to stop trying to reform police as the suffering people. These are the people that stand in the way, uh, in the way of us, the oppressed, and our oppressors. So we cannot say, let's try and make these people a little better. They will never be for us because they do not understand that we are fighting for all of us. They do not understand they are also in this oppression. So uh, from, our, from my own uh, organizing and understanding, I think we need to start thinking about how we are going to live in a society with no police. No one should have that much power over other people that I can take your life because I'm licensed. I think we need to do away with that bullshit. Back to you, Nandre. 
Thanks for sharing those thoughts on uh, your abolitionist principles. Um, I would like to give a lie. Um, I, I would love to continue this conversation. I think we'll come back to it and I'll give Fred a chance to speak on it as well. But since we have Lai back in the room, um, we're definitely going to want to hear uh, Lai's voice. Um, of course, today is a very important day um, in Nigeria. It marks the six month anniversary of the October 2020, 2020 uh, murders by the Nigerian government uh, and the squashing of the NSARS movement, um, which was a massive youth movement that rose in Nigeria for the first time in decades. Comrade um, Lai Brown is the organizing secretary of the automo Automobile Boatyards Transportation Equipment and Allied Senior Staff Association. He's a writer and the National Secretary of the Socialist Workers and Youth League of, in Lagos, Nigeria. So Lai, we invite you to jump in and give us your thoughts. Tell us more about your organizing and what you are doing in social movements in Nigeria. Uh, um, thanks, Kamei. Thanks, Kamei. And um, thanks for the event. Well, actually, yes, like you said, I will start with the part. Um, I mean, today, today's event is very significant for me. Um, I mean, and of course, for us in Nigeria, because uh, today marks, I mean, today the, the event coincides with the uh, um, day, like you mentioned. Well, like I was saying, what I'm working on that, that today, today is very significant uh, because, like I mentioned, like, like you mentioned earlier, it coincides with the, the um, exact like, month after, after scores of comrades were massacred. By the um, regime in Lekki Togate, one of the um, one of the numerous um, barricades of the NSAS um, revolts. I mean, even like this moment, even though, I mean, the event actually happened almost exactly this moment we are on this call right now. So today's I mean, today's event is very significant to me in that I mean, the book even after six months. Uh, so. Um, yeah, I will, actually, it, 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 it had addition to uh, uh, usually call for a minute, uh, 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 I mean, in remembrance of the companies we lost in, in, in that call. So, uh, but I don't know, I'm not sure if we can do that right now, but if not, uh, I think uh, what I will say is that, uh, that I mean, we still need to be uh, uh, um, inspired by their own struggle and. I mean, in in, a, in in our effort to continuously mobilize the poor and oppressed people for total justice, because clearly the perpetrators, I mean, those that those that uh, 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 those, those, those that uh, massacre those people, they can't they can't they can't they can't they can't do justice to the um, to that event. And so, the justice can only be won by our own continuous fight for total justice. So, so yeah, so so what thing. I would say is that we have to continuously be inspired by their own, by their, by their own struggle and ensure that we continue to mobilize the poor and, and oppressed people for total, for total justice and for total liberation. Um, so um, now away from that, I want to speak on um, our organizing work and activism in, in Nigeria. Like you mentioned, uh, I am a member of Socialist Workers and Youth League, and we are yeah, I mean, we are involved in, I mean, in, in different terrain of struggles. 
uh, I mean, I mean, Mukoli played an uh, important role in the answers, answers, answers revolt, and even all actions that actions that led to the answers revolt. I want to say this: um, that the answers um, uh, protest itself wasn't a uh, it wasn't an isolated event, even though it was spontaneous. There were a series of events that 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 led to the uh, and that, and that, that happened before, and some that actually contributed into the entire revolt. So, I mean, to start with, I will I will say that um, between the year uh, on I mean, the year 2019 and 2020, uh, frankly speaking, sort I mean, sort a lot of uh, popular uprising in, in, in across the continent, and um, particularly in Nigeria. There, yeah, I mean, there was a series of actions between that trial and 2020. So, I mean, these are very, very significant because uh, for instance, in 2019, we, uh, the Coalition for Revolution, which my organization, as a bureau, is an athlete of, I mean, is, I mean of our founding organization. Of, we, uh, in November 2019, we started with a revolution now demonstration. I mean, which, uh, which is uh, it, 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 actually uh, I mean, it, this of bridge, which uh, which is which mobilized youth, many of them whom are not uh, uh, initially, uh, I mean, they would not have to call them themselves activists initially, but we, we, we used, I mean, we, but these are people that they, they are angered by the reality they are faced in the countries. So, with, I mean, so, so the revolution now. Can a protest of core side on August five, uh, but but, but, but beyond, beyond the beyond the beyond the national campaign, which I mean, which we have series of demonstrations with that, but beyond the national campaign, we only had um, series of um, public uh, uh, symposia uh, organized by core, or uh, I mean, some also um, by uh, SW also anyway. So we have, we have series of uh, public symposia, series of educational activities in order for us to educate us of our organization, but also to mobilize and equally inspire actions, popular actions across the country, which, which is which is why I would say that the revolutionary campaign of core influenced and contributed to the NSAS revolt that happened last year, October 2020. So, but also away from that, I mean, let me call you briefly mention that, I mean, like earlier, I mentioned that we, we are involved in different terrain of struggle. And what I mean by that is that we actually, uh, we, uh, we see that, I mean, of course, the problem, so, of course, the problem facing Nigeria is, I mean, it's, it's, it's numerous, like the challenges facing. I mean, of course, Nigeria is not, it's not, it's not, it's not popular to Nigeria, anyways. That's shown across the continent, outside the continent, and all that. But the point is that we need to we need to position ourselves, we also need to position ourselves to win oppressed people across all sections of the oppressed. So that's a spiritually active in the changing you know, movement. Uh, um, I mean that's very that's, that's very that, that's very important in Nigeria case for, for for good reason because in Nigeria I mean organized labor have uh, uh, um, called for series I mean call, call for more uh, call for more general strikes even that uh, their counterparts in in UK and also other other parts of the country so the organized labor is very important 
uh, uh, the trade union movement is a very, very important uh, section for us to uh, work within, so as to mobilize the rank and file workers particularly. But even beyond that, we we're only involved in the we, we organized with the communities. Because I mean, uh, away from the trade union movement, we need to we need to we need to regularly reach the uh, what's called the, uh, the the informal workers whom are not necessarily organized in the trade unions. In the trade unions. So we call it organized with the communities. Are, are also we are involved in um, electoral politics, not because we have a illusion in winning electoral electoral spaces, but because we understand that uh, many 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 persons uh, I mean, that, uh, win from conscious. We actually win and influence, um, expand our, our our political influence with many. Uh, people that would be uh, uh, charged during electoral period. So, we are, so like I said, we are involved in different terrain of 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 of, um, of struggles. But I, I think um, since I don't have much time, I, will, I think I will, see, um, I will share more on this on these issues um, um, much later. Over to you, comrade. Thanks, uh, Comrade Lai, and uh, sharing those very important connections on how a social movement that appears, you know, like the NSARS movement, kind of to outsiders may have appeared to just have appeared out of nowhere. But uh, your conversation on how that movement is actually part of something that was built long before and that is still in the process of being built, the Coalition for Revolution, the work of various organizations that kind of make space for broader movements to come in. And we'll come back to that some of the ideas about building these broad social movements and sustaining them. But we have um, another, uh, one of our comrades back in the room, and we're going to go um, over to Amar. I already made the uh, introduction, not realizing that he was off the call, but just to remind you that um, Amar is... Uh, a Sudanese writer, translator, postgraduate student of anthropology, and part of the inaugural class of Africa is a Country uh, Fellows. So welcome, Amar, and we'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, yeah, sorry. Okay. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Nandi, and thank you for organizer. Uh, I, I will try here to shed a quick light uh, on the uh, uh, events of uh, the Sudan uprising that began in the late uh, uh, 90, uh, 20, uh, uh, 2018, and try to extract, extract some uh, strategic and tactics aspect of that uh, events. Um, uh, uh, on June 30, on June 1980, uh, 89, uh, Zahar returned against uh, the democratically elected uh, government of Sudan. And for uh, 30 years, uh, the, uh, they uh, ruled the country uh, with an uh, adherent uh, regime that uh, uh, has a kind of a political Islam ideology. Uh, the disruptive constitution prohibited uh, peaceful expression and uh, dominated the public civil sphere. Uh, but uh, of course, Sudanese uh, did not uh, surrender. Uh, the struggle uh, against the regime started from the first day uh, until uh, the fall of the regime on uh, April uh, 2019. Uh, um, yeah, so uh, I'm gonna just to to, to make uh, a quick analysis of of, of these uh, events. Uh, 
Uh, we should not. Uh, we, ha we have to note that uh, uh, December uprising has uh, found its intellectual or and political and organizational origins in the September uh, uh, 2013 uprising. Uh, at that time, Sudanese organized a wave of angry protest uh, following government uh, decision to lift oil uh, subsides. Uh, that created a stifling uh, economic hardship. Uh, the main affected were the, uh, of course, the poor classes who constitute about um, 84 or 85 percent of uh, population. Uh, uh, but the government, uh, of course, rejected these protests and uh, um, and ordered it is uh, their. Uh, uh, security forces uh, uh, to eliminate uh, the popular, uh, popular uh, uprising, which resulted in about uh, uh, 250 people killed just in five or four days. Uh, but this experience uh, demonstrated have have some lesson. It demonstrated for for uh, the uh, for, for people of Sudan that. Uh, the mainstream political organization had, uh, had an ability to create a political cover for the protest or support the uprising. And uh, the experience also created uh, awareness of the need to, to, to devise a new method, method of organizing. They have the most uh, important of which, uh, of course, in addition to union and student uh, movement, uh, is organizing from blue or from, from the grassroots. Uh, at the level of uh, residential uh, neighborhoods, uh, which resulting in the formation of what it's come to be called uh, resistance committees or neighborhood committees, uh, which play a decisive role in the uh, uh, uprising of uh, uh, 2019. Uh, uh, in the first stage of uh, uh, 2018 uprising. Uh, 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 the committee organized uh, the uh, uh, processions and protests inside the neighborhood. Uh, uh, it is one of uh, the most characteristic of uh, the last uh, Sudan uprising. Um, uh, uh, so, so at that time. Uh, uh, there are some uh, are, uh, 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 collective unions uh, that uh, called uh, Sudanese Professionals Association. Uh, it uh, assumed the task and duty of the central leadership, but uh, it is a kind of uh, leadership that are horizontal, not uh, not a hierarchical one. Uh, uh, at every and every morning of, uh, of the uprising, the, Sudan, the Sudanese professional associations announced an statement uh, defining the neighborhoods that must protest on that day with the map and uh, time of, uh, of procession. So there is a statement or announcement that maybe uh, work like an, uh, uh, a, root, a, routing, a routing table uh, which uh, deploy and redeploy uh, uh, and uh, the, the neighborhoods and uh, 
the, resist the resistance committee. Uh, so uh, there are three kinds of tactics that you used at that time. First one, to exhaust and drain the security forces by moving them from place to place, which we can uh, call a uh, war of attrition. Uh, second, uh, to give a rest time to some neighborhoods during which the, the, they can reconfigure themselves uh, and maybe called uh, a, a, a kind of a strike and run method. The third tactics uh, that the revolutionaries can move from neighborhood to another neighborhoods uh, to uh, participate uh, of the political activities of the other neighborhoods. Uh, an approach we can call the, the solidarity building. Uh, these three tactics uh, mark the stage of the uprising, or the first stage of the uprising. Uh, and a stage that uh, I, I called it a, a map strategy or a, a, a spatial strategy. Uh, uh, if the, if the first stage uh, of Sudan uprising was a kind of spatial uh, strategy, the second one it came in the, uh, another uh, way. Uh, may, may, uh, maybe we can call it a temporal strategy because the, the, uh, if the, the place was a, a decisive uh, uh, element of the first strategy, then the time was a decisive strategy of the second uh, uh, stage of uh, uprising. Here I, I speak about the sitting and, and campaign and, and camping uh, that uh, uh, coincided uh, with the continuation of negotiation with the military junta uh, after the head of regime stepped down. Uh, so uh, the sitting lasted for uh, uh, 57 and uh, ended with the uh, massacre that uh, called. Uh, uh, the Khartoum massacre, uh, which was carried out by the mixed military forces, and uh, with um, uh, hundreds of people killed at that, at that time, at that day. Uh, uh, the, Sudan's, the Sudanese Professional Association uh, consists of uh, about 70 different Sudan, Sudanese Union uh, that established uh, in uh, 2012. And, but in the December 2018, uh, the professional association called on the Sudanese government to increase the minimum wage and uh, to improve our economic, economic life. And, um, but uh, after, the, uh, after the protesters in the city of Adbara, that uh, part of the north of the country, bear down the headquarters of the of the ruling ruling party, uh, which uh, change the uh, change uh, change the uh, the demand of the uprising and transform it from the just uh, an economic uh, demand to a political one uh, that call for the one things. The regime must be followed. Wow. Thank you so much for that deep dive into the strategies of 
the revolution, the, the movement. Um, I, I would love to read so much more and I'm fascinated about these neighborhood committees and you spoke about um, the defense strategies, the war of attribution, strike and withdrawal, solidarity building, and these spatial strategies um, that were used. And I'm sure people would love to hear more um, from you, um, but we're gonna go back to the audience and grab some of the questions that have been chatted out. And so um, we start with a question from uh, Mira Shah. And Mira says, you all are so inspiring. Could you offer some suggestions for how non-new non activists, I see you're already an activist by being here, um, can all citizens, can, can also start organizing and get involved in these movements? And I'm gonna come back to Fred to answer that question. How can we, how can young people or people of any age really that have not been involved but are really feeling the, the vibrancy of the moment and want to get plugged in where do they start um where can they start i don't know if i have a if i have a clear answer of where you can start uh, my experience is you start uh where you are with <laughs> what you have if i look at uh, our own experience with with lucha for example we didn't wait for anybody to come and organize ourselves um, the, the, um, I think what we have, the common denominator of all of us was the revolt that we feel, uh, we felt with the, the situation we were living at the time. And my, from my experience, once you get involved in some kind of activist against, uh, for, for justice, you just realize other problems around you, you see them more clearly, uh, and you see very quickly the need to organize, to, to better organize. But uh, maybe what um, one advice that I can, I can, I can share with um, people who want to, to organize themselves is um, to understand the, um, the importance of, of, of solidarity and the importance sometime of building coalition. But at the same time, uh, to not wait until everybody agree on what to, what to do in order to act. Sometimes it just drawn you uh, down and make it impossible to, to react. So there is a good balance to, to found between the need of uh, solidarity and, and, and coalition and building la large coalition and the, the need of action, the urgency of, of, of action. But where to start? I really think at some point uh, when you face injustice or where you, at some point you just don't have any other option than 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 start it and start wherever you are, you are uh, and you you will learn with it. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, just start wherever you are, you know, building solidarity, joining social movements. And of course, here we're really talking about, you know, much movements that are building, you know, across across different lines, both within countries and into the broader movements internationally. And we'll come back to some of those um, those questions. Um, the next question I have, um, which I would like to um, put, put to um, Lai and Amar, and it says, I'll start off with Lai. How have the forms 
methods of state violence changed over the past 10 years in response to changing geopolitics and popular uprising? If so, how have resistance or organizing strategies adopted? Thanks. So that question, um, Lai, if you could answer that, kind of thinking about Nigeria, but also any other broader social movement that you're part of, how has state violence changed? And we've seen kind of rapidly changing in some areas, but as well as staying the same in, in many ways. Um, how would you like to answer that, comrade? Okay, I'm not sure I've got that question or the question clearly, but um, if he's asking about the um, state reactions to protests, I mean, the increasing uh, attacks on protesters, is that, you that get that clearly, right? Uh, the question is basically yeah. how has, has state violence, has it changed over the past 10 years or has it stayed the same? And if it has changed, how have, how has, how have organizers also changed their own strategies and tactics? Well, I mean, I would say that, that um, yeah, state, I mean, state, yeah, state violence to protest. Um, yeah, I, think, I, think, I mean, I would say, yeah, I think it has changed in the last, um, last year. I mean, there are many reasons to that. Um, part of it is, is that because remember, capitalism itself is in crisis. And I mean, what, like, what I, would, I would say is that, I mean, what I used to say is capitalism itself is, I mean, it's hanging to its last breath. So it's in crisis and there are, 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 are serious of attacks, I mean, series of attacks on the world class people. And people are calling it racist, people are calling it racist. So, to, to, I mean, to protect them, to protect themselves, the bosses and the ruling class have increased in, I mean, in their tactics to uh, 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 suppress uh, uppricing. I mean, we've seen the, we've seen the, the case with, um, with the, with the answers to start with. I mean, between, between in the last 10 years in Nigeria, I mean, there was, there was a popular uprising in 2012 in Nigeria, right? Which lasted for about, um, about two weeks. Also, uh, I, I mean, I mean, eight years later, there was another popular uprising with the with the answers. This, this this lasted about nine days, but on the twenty, about two weeks also, but on the twenty eighth, the the state mobilized army, military, police to killed protesters. But the interesting thing is that even before the October 28th, they have been mobilized. I mean, the, the state have, 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 have mobilized not just, the, not just the military and the, and the state element alone. They equally mobilized, uh, 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 mobilized some, some, some session of the to attack the protesters. So that's that, that, that's that, that's that, that's to show that they have they have increased in their what's called in their Attacks in the increase in state, in state attacks on protesters and for the for the reasons I gave earlier. But what what has been the uh, uh, what has been the attitude of protesters to this uh, increasing state attacks? I mean, the thing is, yes, people are. I mean, what what, what I would say is that uh, um, protesters equally are getting. I mean, they are things from. Their expresses in prayer. What happened with these answers? I, I must say is that I mean, you can, is that many persons that haven't joined the protest to start with are not what are, are not experienced activists. I mean, there are people that that many of these youths are angry. Many of, some of them probably haven't, haven't gone on on strike before, anyways. But the thing is, I, 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 but also, I mean, the people shows a very, a very, a very radical. 
attitude to the state reactions. I will give you, I'll, I'll give you a case. On October 13th, at uh, uh, Lake, at Alausa, one of the uh, one of the uh, barricades in, in in Lagos State, the the the, the, the state the state element mobilized some um, some some hoodlums or thugs to attack uh, on protesters in the morning of of, of October 13th. It, of course, this 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 this, um, this uh, 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 mobilized elements were were were, 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 were resisted by the protesters. They were sent by even some of them were even arrested, and they were handed over to the police. What happened afterwards is another story, anyways. But they were they were arrested and they were handed over to the police. But you know, on, on that evening of the October 13th, we 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 had, we had the a kind of mini congress at that barricade, and we set up a, 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 a we set up security. Committee, we do among ourselves, from uh, from ourselves. So that's that's kind of attitude protesters are showing in, I mean, to, to to take action. I mean, of course, I mean, uh, uh, that we, we can only we can only integrate, we can only um, build upon such kind of action. I mean, in, in, in terms of bigger responses to uh, um, state reaction and violence from protesters. That, 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 what happened that day presented itself as a case for us to draw for that experience, I mean, for us to, for us to, draw, uh, for us to build upon. I mean, that's one thing. I think, yeah, that, 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 that's, that's, um, yeah, that's it. Thanks for sharing that. And I had wanted to also pass it. Unfortunately, Amara has dropped off the call, but what you were speaking to, I think Amara was also speaking to in the, the change of tactics. And I think he spoke very clearly about the, in particular, the Sudanese revolution, how there was a change, you know, even not only in terms of the tactics at a particular site, but tactics and strategies that kind of moved, that were actually moving targets. Um, so speaking kind of to be not just anticipating the state's movements, but also being able to also be creative and and think on your feet and, and move the movement where it needs to go. And you spoke about um, you know the Alausa protest and how that was also done. How there were on the spot decisions, there were strategies that were like being made as things were developing, and the need to kind of be very agile in terms of um, social movements. Thanks for those thoughts. I have another question from the audience, which I want to direct at Wanjira, and. Um, the question is from Kadeen Paulson-Smith, and she uh, they say, thank you very much for sharing this generative discussion. Could you talk about the role of feminist and queer activists in longer-term movements against state violence, especially policing? And if I may, I just want to kind of juxtapose that with your um, comments earlier, um, where you spoke about... Um, you know, defining being uh, having very African approaches and how the state has also kind of used this idea of, you know, Africa, African, the criminalization of homosexuality as it being un-African. And so just maybe taking those two questions together, the role of feminists and queer activists in against state violence, but also maybe speaking a bit about state violence against these populations as well. About your question, Andre. So I, I really encourage feminists to continue with their role. And in Kenya, we have strong, vibrant, frontline feminists doing their job very well, fighting for women's rights, fighting for equality, fighting for a, a two-thirds gender role in parliament. So 
uh, on the on the on the struggle about feminism Kenya is uh, is uh, really trying on the in terms of uh, queer activism and how queer people are treated in our country is still treated as a very as a very big taboo is still seen as an acceptable and as an african but i think the general population needs to focus on <clears throat> issues that are really affecting people and also the police need to stop harassing queer people because it is really bad uh, for queer people and for sex workers especially they face the same kind of discrimination and the same kind of uh, police brutality including being murdered so that is an injustice that we call uh, we call out even in our social justice movement mm. but i wouldn't say it's something that we are really focused upon especially this, the 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 struggle of uh, queer people i wouldn't say it's something we have given priority as because many of the people feel like everyone has a right to do what they want to do with their body it is not it is not something we should interfere with it is not we don't want to really call it a struggle we just want people to stop thinking that it is their business or i who i choose to sleep with or who somebody else chooses to sleep with we want to make people focus on the real issues which are oppression which is capitalism which is the police brutality so it's something we call out but it is not something uh, we are all out on like energy wise it's mainly changing the mentality of people to not being bothered by who someone chooses to sleep with and focus on the real issues in the country that's the approach we have uh, we have taken as a movement but we do support the struggles of uh, queer people we are in absolute solidarity we attend their demos we invite them to our demos we do joint demos feminists are I also want to big up uh, my two favorite feminists from Kenya which is uh, Rachel Mekali and Edita Ochieng from Kibera doing a very good job fighting for women and Marian Kasina from the social justice movement shout out to all my women fighters so yeah i encourage the war on feminism which is also something that i look at in a with an african lens i think when we allow our mothers to guide us and lead us a country would be in in better hands what do you nandre yeah um thanks for thanks for those thoughts and i would also like to see that you know um what there are of course you know issues that uh, different movements face but uh, i would say that uh, the struggle is definitely about all, all of us and about all marginalized peoples and that we definitely have to, it has to be an inclusive struggle of everyone that is marginalized and sometimes i think oftentimes uh, the very difficult parts of the struggle uh, especially on the continent where culture please is is very important to to you know to most people these are parts of the struggles that many movements continue to to grapple with um and i i would also like to um so thanks for your thoughts there and your support there but i want to stretch kind of into maybe broadening the conversation as we as we enter into you know the latter part of the conversation to talk about how 
the movements, and I think this is an important segue, you know, talking about um, the struggles of different marginalized people who are marginalized across the world. Um, but how do we connect the Africans to struggles that we are in, you know, on the continent, sometimes in very isolated um, ways at times where not the world doesn't necessarily know about our struggles to broader internationalist struggles. And the question here from Fred um, Weisuni says, uh, sorry, I don't know if I'm saying, Weisu Hunum says, wonderful conversation. Um, can there be a crossover between these movements internationally to build capacity and amplify the message to the outside world? And I would like for Fred to speak to that question. Thank you very much. Um, well, first of all, I think uh, if we learn from our, our past, there have been always um, tendency to connect movement, even in a in a um, colonial um, struggle. Now, with with the current um, movement, like what, what uh, some people describe as as the third wave, there have been also some initiative um, to. to uh, to bring uh, connection between between this uh, between our different movements um, at uh, Africa level and also also globally. For example, I've been involved um, with other with other people in um, since few years now in creating this Pan African platform called Afriki with movement from um, uh, from from Senegal, from Burkina, from uh, Zimbabwe, and so on. But I think one of the challenges that we we are facing, especially for example in the continent, is to go beyond um, the linguistic barriers that have been drawn by the um, by, by 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 colonialism. So usually you will see uh, francophone activists are connected and anglophone activists are connected, lusophone are left aside, and so on. So somehow. The, uh, the way we dream of Africa is limited in those territories that have been predefined for us. And I think there is a need to go beyond that. And that we have been trying to do it. It's, 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 it's asked, it, it requires a lot of energy, but we need, we need it. Another thing is to consider uh, diaspora uh, in, in, in this struggle. Diaspora, um, um, no, we broke both um, uh, European um, diaspora from Europe, from uh, from the US, from Caribbean, and other people that we forget sometimes that are part of the uh, our, our, stru our struggle. And I think um, the um, the Africa uprising can really succeed if we consider African at the uh, at the largest. The la we have the largest definition of what is uh, what is African. Of course, our challenges are different. But I think the um, but they are connected, and I think the 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 lesson that we can learn from the, and the solidarity that we can show can only uh, help us be uh, stronger together. So we we we've been um, trying to one of the ideas that uh, we we are thinking of currently, for example, is uh, how we can. Uh, create opportunity of exchange between movements. Uh, not, not, not that this initiative be led by international NGOs or other NGOs who will then define what, what we'll be doing, but initiative by movement and for movement where activists can go and 
uh, and spend time in other movement and learn from other movement and bring connection with other movements so that at the end, maybe in a few years, we can have a deeply connected uh, Pan-African uh, Pan-African movements that will go beyond being just sharing uh, speeches and and mentioning Pan-Africanism in all our, our discourse, but leaving it and building um, a, a, a movement from below. The other challenge I, I think is 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 uh, acknowledging the um, um, the different. Uh, other sections of, of, of our struggles, the, the, the feminist struggles, the, um, um, the issue of gender and, and, and other things in our, in our movements. Very oftenly, it is very difficult for people, it, it's very easy for people to remain concentrated in issues in their particular countries uh, and, and forget other aspects of, uh, of of the struggle. And sometimes also it's very difficult to have this kind of conversation in some countries. Uh, if you go in, um, I, I remember in, in, in one of, in, in one country, um, uh, Muslim country, majority Muslim, it was very difficult to have in, internally a discussion about gender, for example. Um, so we need, there is a need, uh, and 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 I, the experience of Afriki can share how many initiatives we've been trying to do in order to connect movement. But there is also a need to understand the, this in a uh, in its complexity and to consider how uh, we can we can uh, strengthen each other by uh, creating those connections. Thanks, Fred. There's so much richness um, in describing such the very complex nature of organizing in a continent that has these, you know, these deep um, colonial and neo-colonial legacies that include national languages, you know, very much a factor that um, these colonial heritages come both continue to create ties both to Europe, but continue to divide across the continent as well. And um, I, I love your ideas about the Afriki and the way to move forward in that. And I think Amar is back. Amar, do you have audio? I would love to try to grab you before you. Oh, no. So no. Okay. So hopefully... Okay, Amar is back out. Unfortunately, we are not able, and this is another one of the challenges of hearing from organizers on the ground is the, the enormous tech, technological challenges that we have on almost all of these calls. Um, only a few countries I know I, I can identify by heart where I'll have good reception on an African call, but oftentimes this is a huge um, way that we're not able to hear from, from them in these uh, physical calls, these live calls. Um, so Lai, I don't know if you would like to speak to, and we're going to be, um, if, the, if the audience, if you have other questions, please drop them in the chat. We'd love to hear from you. We've answered the questions that we have, and we invite more uh, for the speakers. But Lai, Comrade Lai, I would like you to speak to kind of the challenges and the recent successes of social movements on the left in general, and how does your work um, the work that you do with SWL and with your union, how does that speak to the broader left movements in Africa and solidarity across African borders internationally and beyond, as well as building movements from below? Well, yeah, uh, thanks for that uh, important question, comrades. Well, I, I mean, in terms of the challenges that 
Nigeria, Nigeria, Nigeria left us as its own fair share of um, challenges, which is not just peculiar to Nigeria. We have we have, we have seen um, division, across division along tactical lines, tactical differences, and um, sometimes differences in perspective. Of this is peculiar to Nigeria. I mean, this is something we are practice in that part of the world. But the thing is that in, in also there is increasing working relationship between uh, radical and action organizations in Nigeria. I mean, there is, I mean, in the last two years, I mean, two, two different coalitions of radical and action organizations in March. I mean, there is um, coalition revolution Corps that um, that started in 2019, and recently there is ASCAP. So, so I mean, that and that shows that, I mean, that, that that's some gains. Um, to the left, because it shows that um, organized uh, radical forces are coming together to uh, uh, what's it called to, to, I mean, I mean, working together to challenge the the status quo, the forces. And to me, I mean, I think I think those those I mean, the, the emerging coalitions, uh, emerging working relationship of 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 left forces, to me, is it, those are precursors to building uh, united fronts. Which for us in SWO, we are genuinely committed. We are committed to building a genuine united front of all radical forces to, I mean, I mean, to us to, I mean, to, to, to broaden our mobilization, I mean, to broaden our, our mobilization to challenge the bosses and systems. So, yeah, so that, that, that for me is some success, some, some, some gains we had in the, uh, in the last, uh, uh, in, 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 in the recent period. Uh, in terms of uh, in terms of how um, I mean how our work with the international movement and uh, also with other um, radical forces um, and coalitions and uh, other organizations uh, within and outside the continent contribute to building um, uh, uh, to building uh, uh, a regional movement from the low. The thing is, yes, like I mentioned earlier, um, I mean, uh, uh, are working in the trade is, I mean, the, primary, the primary reason is to organize with uh, 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 and fight alongside with the rack and fire workers. So, which, of course, we are, I mean, we are able to have direct interactions with uh, workers across different, uh, different working places. We are involved in, I mean, for instance, in, between 2019 and 2020, we were, we were involved with the uh, uh, workers, with the workers of some education, uh, with the struggle of, of some education workers in last protect. So this, I mean, this we are able to uh, win from different sections of the working class, I mean, from, from, uh, and build power from the low. And also, uh, uh, I'll give another case, uh, about, um, we, in, in 2019, uh, we were involved in some community organizing around of struggle in Nigeria. I mean, we, are, we had uh, 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 meetings with community organizations, series of uh, engagement with them, but also that we only have we only have series of protest community organizations around electricity issue. Let me I mean, many, many people don't understand what I mean by struggle in Nigeria. I mean, we I mean Nigeria has a peculiar case of uh, uh, poor. Electricity and I mean, I mean, I, 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 a lot, of, a lot of money have been put, I mean, uh, put into uh, 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 electricity sector in the country. But yet, 
people are still getting estimated blame. People are not getting the actual. Uh, 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 they're not getting way below what they are paying for. So all of these things are. I mean, uh, in some places they don't even have the receipt to start with. So these are some of the issues people are agitated around, and that is this is why reason we, this is the reason why we only engage to build uh, um, power to build forces with, with the with the with the, uh, with the affected people for us to challenge the uh, uh, the status quo. So this, I mean, uh, but, but, but even beyond fully involving, I mean, guide me. Building building solidarity is very important. I mean, I would say building building solidarity is as much as much as much important as building a as building. A, 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 a massive power in our individual countries. I mean, building, building, building solidarity across across borders, across uh, uh, all countries, across the continent, across the world. Building solidarity is as more as important as you. I mean, it's, it's very important. Probably next to building or uh, a, a, a massive force to challenge the bosses within our own, within our different countries. So it's very. I mean, uh, 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 for that reason. We, I mean, we, uh, I mean, we actually, we actually, are, I mean, our organization is actually an internationalist organization that we have, I mean, we are connected with different uh, uh, organizations across the, I mean, across the continent, across the world, across the world also. So, with, I mean, but, but with that, we actually, um, we are people along with other. Uh, Revolutionary uh, 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 organizations across the globe. So, so that is, I mean, that is one uh, uh, one way for us. We are actually building so that. So, but like I said, this uh, global solidarity of the working and oppressed people cannot be overemphasized. So that is very critical. I mean, and aside the international body, I mean, the international organizations we we are active in. Engage, create uh, uh, spaces to engage with other organizations that probably not, not share our politics that much. I mean, we, we extend solidarity to other, I mean, to, to, to other radical forces across the continent. Start with, we, I mean, during the, I mean, uh, uh, the, I mean, the last Uganda election, where the, I mean, we, I mean which, which, I mean, it's, 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 it's reality is not different from the reality we are currently confronted in Nigeria. I, I mean, we see, we see, we see people. I mean, we see, we see. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of, a lot of organization of people of voters and all that. So we actually, we actually, we actually uh, um, engage that. We 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 extend the solidarity to um, the Uganda working class people generally, not even just the uh, um, the the. People wind up present itself to be standing on the side of the people, but we call it a solidarity to the work to the, to the poor and oppressed people of Uganda. You know, so these are, I mean, these are these are these are activities that we we engage in concrete, concretely speaking, express solidarity. So I mean, there is need for us to build uh, solidarity uh, across our board. And calling for us to win, we need to build massive. Uh, uh, power in our local areas, in our local communities, we need to build power and building a united front, a genuine united front, uh, based on principle, is one way. I mean, it's, it's an important uh, way to go by that.
Okay. Thanks, comrade. And uh, I think many of your closing remarks, I think, will also be in that statement. We're just coming to the end of our time together and uh, just really learning so much from this conversation. I want to take two more questions and then we'll just give each of the speakers just a minute to make some closing thoughts. Um, a question from the audience, which I'm directing at Wanjira, is from Inigo. And she says, "I'm." Um, they say, I'm a member of two organizations fighting for minoritized, primarily white indigenous communities of Europe. In what ways can we support you? Which are the most important ways? Um, yes, I'm here. <clears throat> I think the best way um, white people can be in solidarity with us by recognizing and legitimizing our struggle and speaking about it as much as we do, um, standing in solidarity with us and acknowledging that an injustice was done to us, continues to be done to us, and something should be done about it. Not sitting from a, from a place of privilege, just acknowledging that our people have been doing this and it's not right, and we need to be in solidarity with these people and call out our governments on some of these things, call out their government from exploiting African resources um, and things like that. But I don't want to place the burden so much on uh, white minorities. I want us to take responsibility for where we are as a people, how much damage has been done. Um, but we can't place this responsibility on anybody else but ourselves. So it is for us to really come together as a people, to acknowledge, um, to realize and to be real with ourselves that things are not right with the black nation. Things are not right in the black continent. Everywhere we look, it's absolute chaos. Everywhere we look, it's oppression. Our children in the mines, our women, sex workers, uh, things are bad for our people. And it is up to our people to accept this, to realize this, and to put deliberate efforts to change this. Other people can only be in support and in solidarity and put pressure where they can. But it is us really <clears throat> to say we cannot continue um, living with this oppression. We cannot leave such a continent to our children because we need to think about who's coming after us. Uh, are they coming to find this chaos? Is this what we want to leave behind? So we need to be motivated by the desire for a better life for our children and future generations of Africans. And they do not have to go racism to prove that they are equal to all the other races in the world. They do not have to go through uh, poverty, selling their labor to survive, you know, decolonizing the minds of our people, decolonizing the minds of our children. I think that's where we need to start as a people. And anybody else can only be in solidarity um, or they can contribute in whichever way they feel that this is how they could contribute best. If it is sending books, if it is uh, uh, sending their resources, I think uh, that is mainly a personal call. But I would like to place the burden uh, on us who are feeling the pinch, who are wearing the shoes, who are worrying day and night about what future it could be for our people. And I really want to also use this opportunity to call on all progressives uh, on the continent and outside to think about how we really are going to correct 
things on the continent. I think we've we've had so many many conversations about uh, <clears throat> things are not okay on the continent. There's a lot of police brutality. There's a lot of bad leadership, dictatorships, and all that. I want to challenge us to actually want to do something about it in whatever capacity we are able to, even if it is small. I think let us start to actively want to change things. This is a good, a good, a good place. We are having a conversations. I'm, I'm with comrades from uh, different parts of the country. You know, this is good that we are coming together to talk. We need to continue with this, and we need to be deliberate about our efforts to change Africa. We cannot continue to say we are oppressed. We are being killed. This and this is happening. They are taking our resources. We need to have a plan where this song ends at some point and our people get what's rightfully theirs. And life is not such a hassle. Life is good. Life is happy. That's how it's supposed to be. And back to you, Nandri. Thank you, Andira. And I would like to segue, and I guess this we won't have time for a really closing thoughts, but I think both you and Lai have really spoken, you know, a lot of your ideas at the end. And I would just like to, um, I'm glad you spoke about the responsibility in terms of answering this question. And I would like to throw it over to Fred. Um, I think this debate is constantly something that we have in Africa, like whose fault it is and whose who's responsibility to fix it. So I don't know if I do you agree with Wanjira that the um, how do you see this role? Is the role of neo-colonialism and imperialism by you know the outsiders, the United States, China, you know, is that what uh, we should pay attention to, or do we spend more time, you know, fighting our, our African governments and what is being done to us, or do people have the capacity to fight on both fronts? I don't know if we can really separate the two. Um, and um, uh, I, I agree with most of what Zalendo uh, have said. And but I would like to come to answer to this question. I would like to come back to the um, the, the that initial idea of of abolishing the police. Um, I think the problem, uh, like if you look at it at a global uh, level, you look at it as imperialism and, and uh, neocolonialism. If you look at it at a national level, actually, I be, I think most of our states were not created uh, or were not conceived so that they can serve the interests of the people. They were conceived so that they can ex- exploit us. They are, they, they are, the, the police is part of that. The, um, the, the, our economies are, are in, a, in, in a similar way. Of course, no, no, uh, colonialism kind of... Um, uh, aggravated, but the, uh, the, the the rulers, like our rulers, since many years now, are kind of very open to be to serve that uh, neo-colonialism uh, interest. The interest of the people is not at the center of their their politics. I think we 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 must uh, go beyond abolishing the police and and go really f- rethink our state we re- rethink what we need how we see our 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 our, our different state how we rethink our economy so that our own people can be at the center of 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 our action there were there, in that way we will be able to imagine another security system that uh protect us we will be imagine um 
an economy that is based on on our our cultures and our value and maybe we will imagine an african solidarity that can be serve as a shield a shield to um international uh, uh, to neocolonialism and other external forces but uh, if we don't if we don't reform our our state if we don't uh push our revolutionary thought to the point of rethinking the system the national system under which we operate and which is uh, which is just uh able to be to like open to 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 be exploited by by colonialism we will forever be victim of neocolonialism so i i i i think we you can you can fight neocolonialism from outside but we also we can fight neocolonialism by, by rethinking the the african nations and creating uh solidarity between our our uh then free countries that would be a good step to go i think Thank you for that thought. And we are over time, but I see that Wanjira wants to say one last thing. You have one minute <laughs> to have the last word. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nandre. Yeah, I wanted to remind us that um, leaders come and go, but are forever. So as we are tasked with the responsibility of imagining a new society, it, sh- it should be 100% people-centered because the people are forever. How do we imagine people living in this uh, universe? In this right now, uh, people are so leader-centered and it's the absolutely wrong way to look at this. So if we can be people-focused and people-centered, which is long-lasting, I feel like we can solve a lot of societal problems. Right. I just wanted to throw in uh, that one real quick. And also, remind us to really go back and start beating us if we if we are serious about change even things removing these borders that have been put on the african continent really we need to be one people completely we need to be able to feel that we are one beyond the borders in my head i have already decolonized and that's why it really pains when I see my brothers and sisters from the continent suffering elsewhere, trying to look for greener pastures when we have all the world here on, on, on our land. Just wanted to say that. Uh, thank you for the small chance. Thank you. And thank you for those thoughts on really reimagining, you know, what African resistance looks like. I think it's a, it's a great way to end this conversation. Um, Lai also wanted just to put in a call for us to support uh, calls for the Justice for the Lekki Massacre. And uh, we'll put in the chat, you know, also where you can follow our, our speakers and follow their work. I just want to thank everyone for showing up today, for our, our wonderful activists, for those in the audience, for Haymarket and Africa is a country and DSA for supporting this. And just to continue this conversation, I was I listened to Angela Davis yesterday and she says she said I don't like to close the conversation because I think the conversation is ongoing. And on that note, I would like to say continue in these conversations um wherever you are and let's continue to build African resistance towards the African revolution. Thank you all and take care. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, Subscribe to our podcast and to the Haymarket Books YouTube channel, where events like this one are hosted live. And don't forget to check out haymarketbooks.org.